Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to dismiss our kids, our nursery kids, as they go downstairs. Praise God. Praise God. What a great God that we serve. What a great God we serve. Amen. If you could turn your attention to Isaiah 43. think we'll be finishing our series regarding an unorthodox revival. I sense the Lord starting to lead a different direction, or further direction, I should say. All right, turn your attention to Isaiah 43, 15 through 21. Why don't we read this together as a congregation? Can we do that? Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinct, and they are quenched as tow. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. One more time. Can we just lift our hands to heaven? And lift our voices and just ask God to just bless the remainder of the service. Can we do that? Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, that's it. Go ahead just praise Him. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for a new thing. We thank you, Lord, for the things that you put before us and the plans that you have. And I pray that you anoint our ears and our hearts to receive your word this morning. Anoint these lips of clay to speak to your precious people. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. One more time before you're seated, can you give God a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You can be seated. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, we need an unorthodox revival in Bemidji. We can no longer do church as usual. God is going to do things in the supernatural that we have never seen before. He's going to show us things in the Spirit that we can't even imagine. But it's imperative that we understand and be in tune to the spiritual world more than ever before. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual warfare is critical to get a hold of and practice daily with intent and purpose and strategy for us to embark on the unorthodox revival that God has go, is going to do in these last days. And as I mentioned, unorthodox, it's not so unorthodox to God, the things of God. It's more unorthodox to our world to see the things that they're going to see and we're going to see in our world. And today I want to finish up the second part of, well this is actually the third part, but the second part of my last 
sir, or title um, regarding spiritual warfare. Last time we touched on number one, a respect for the enemy. We've got to understand that the devil is a roaring, lying, seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't come to us as a roaring lion. Instead, he comes to us as a serpent, as a snake, as a sly guy. But his mission and his attitude is to devour us like a lion. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't show up in our life and go, Rawr. No, he slithers his way in and devours us with a roar. So we must respect him. We must understand that there are certain places and things we should not do. You cannot tempt him. You can't tempt and say, oh, I'm okay. I'm above that. I'm better than that. I can keep doing that and still not sin. Oh, no. Trust me, friend. You keep going down that road, you're eventually going to find yourself in a place you never imagined. That's right. I gave the example of a python and how pythons start very small and then they grow and they grow until they completely devour you and you don't have... Uh, people have pet pythons. have had to put their pythons to, to sleep. Because they got to a place of uncontrollability. They're sizing them up in the night because they're going to eat them. True stories. Legit. Straight up. Two-year-olds been killed by pythons that was someone's pet in their house. It happens. That's why we got to be careful of the devil. Maybe he doesn't get you, but he'll get your kids. That's why we got to be careful of what we allow in our home. We have to respect the enemy. And doesn't say we have to obey him. We have to respect him. Respect that He can devour us if we allow Him to. And number two, we touched on worship. And how worship is something when we create an environment for somebody to be delivered. When we worship in such a way, it actually can set other people free. Amen. Worship God in such a way that it can, that it can enlighten our world. Yes. And can draw people. The last two points that I want to touch on was boldness and faith. These are four things in our spiritual warfare journey that we must have during this end time unorthodox revival that God is leading us into. We must have a holy boldness to step toe to toe with the enemy. I didn't say go devil chasing. That's not what God told us to ever do. Our goal is to reach people that are bound by the devil himself. That are bound by the enemy of this world. That's, if there's any type of devil chasing we're doing, is chasing people that are bound by the devil. That's what we're doing. And so guess what's going to happen? When you start facing people and trying to help them, the devil's going to stand toe-to-toe to you and say, look, Bubba, you ain't coming to my territory. You ain't coming here, sis. Don't even bother. This is my ground. And I'll push you and I'll kick you and I'll scream the entire process until you go. Because that's his mission. He's not even saying until you win. It's until you go. That's his thought. Because we are witnessing in our world today we are witnessing a, a, a such a thrust, an onslaught to truth. There's even in college campuses where people, I, I even watched a video one time about it. These people were debating or just talking about things. And this lady stood up and said, I'm tired of hearing about the facts. 
You're tired of hearing the truth. Is that what you're saying? You don't want to hear it anymore? Because you know what it is? That's the world we live in. And, and, and the more the enemy can dump down the church and water it down and sugarcoat it, the more people say, oh, we can just do that at home. You don't need to have a church building. You don't need to gather together. Remember, religion is something you are. You do it at home. You can have it at home all We heard that all the time during COVID. I remember literally talking to people saying, listen, you don't understand. I get what you're saying, and I agree with that. There's The church has gotten to a place where the building is the only time some people ever even seen Jesus or even talked about. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I get what you're talking about. And we talked about it right away during our COVID-14 thing about pouring into our homes. The greatest time to invest was at that moment and getting it right in our houses. But that doesn't mean we stay there. Right. And that's what the enemy wants us. And I remember telling this person on Facebook, I, I didn't come at him like I could have come at him, but I came at him in, in, in a way of saying, well, listen, the church building isn't just for my church for myself. It's for that drug addict down the street that's sick and tired of going to drugs and needs something else in their life. They need a place they can come where people are worshiping God and, and giving, giving God praise. So there's stories that we know of, a Bible of people that I look up to, great evangelists, great soul winners, that literally the dude was stone cold with his friend when they got duped into going to a church service, a Pentecostal church service. And they did it right. <clears throat> they didn't let it sit on the set, on, on the edge, towards the altar, or towards the aisle. No, no, no. They, they bunched them inside, squished between people. Yeah. You ain't getting out of here, man. And they worship God, they're like, oh my goodness, this is weird. <clears throat> they, were, they were freaked out. The guy telling stories, he's all lost. I just, I just all lost on my mind lately. But he was telling the story, and he said, "Next thing you know, he says the altar call came up, and everyone went to the front. And they're like, because they're used to church back in the '70s when they grew up, '80s and '70s. Everybody, when people go to church, only sinners go to the front. And they're like, well, this must be a brand new church. All a bunch of sinners went to the front. And eventually, eventually, they, they walked up to the front. They were just hanging out." And God bless us. He closed his eyes and they're trying to pray for him. And he said they did the normal back rubs and all that stuff. And, and he said by the time he was done, he was done the whole thing. He felt something, but he, again, he was kind of stone still. And he opens his eyes and he's about to tell his buddy, let's go. And he looks over his buddy's collar and looks in the back of his And his buddy's going down in the water in Jesus' name. And he's like, hey, that's not fair. I want to go too. <laughs> and he says he went in that water stone and came out totally sober. That's what we have to be about. That's what the church builds. This is the emergency room, folks. We have to treat, yes, the church is a place where we, we, we sanctify, we believe, and we try to hold dear, we try to make it the house of God, but at the same time, we know that home is where it should be at all the time. The church confirms what you're doing at home. Yes. Kids just sit in the pew and say, oh yeah, mom, dad, talk about that at home. Oh, prayer, we do that at home. Worship, oh, we do that at home. Oh, this, this just confirms everything that happens in my house. Right. That's what the church does. Confirms what's going on at home. Yes. But the other thing the church is doing is pulling people in. And that's why we've got to be bold. And we've got to stand out there and realize, listen, this, this thing happens again. There's no shutting down. There's no shutting down. Listen, there's no shutting down. We are going to have to reach this world, whether the enemy uses, he's going to use government authority to try to shut the church down. Yeah. I've been talking about this church 
I'm not trying to be blue and do. But I'm just speaking truth. Our country is no more than less than probably five years from losing its complete freedom. That's me. That's just me talking. I, I pray to God it's not. I pray it's 10, 20, 30, 40 years now. I just, I'm not seeing it. How fast things are going. How quickly the, the language is changing in the culture. How quickly things are changing with the communication. Listen. It was for the good, good of the people that we had everybody stay home. Well, it'll be for the good of the people that a church can't talk against. Can't say that you're against this or that. For the better good of the people, we need to shut that down. People are going to be used to hearing that language. Oh, that makes sense. I agree with that. I don't think they should be able to. It's, it's better good for my neighbor, my friend. The language is changing. And we're going to become a situation where when we are preaching, we are taking a risk of getting thrown in jail for it. But that does not mean the end times happen. America says, just because us Americans, we are so comfortable. There's countries, there's people, there's missionaries that are underground doing church. They're not recording anything. They're not recording nothing because they also want to be effective. They're not scared that they're going to get thrown in jail. What they're afraid of is more souls getting going to hell because they got thrown in jail. Do you get where I'm going at? When I said, church, if we get to a place the first, that we have to start saying, not saying certain things, that thing is turned off. Not because I'm afraid. It's because I want to reach more people. So the longer I can push that stuff away, the more many people we can reach. And then if I'm caught that way, I'm caught, whatever, we're caught. But the more I can be wise, like missionaries are wise, and they do this underground. They do this behind closed doors. There's people smuggling Bibles. America's never even, can, can even fathom smuggling a Bible. But there's countries where Bibles are smuggled. They are duped into bringing in. People are bringing them into the trucks and being asked, what do you got in there? Books. I don't know if they say that. I don't know if they say Without. No, I'm chasing Christ. My point is boldness. That's what I'm trying to get across. It's boldness. We have to be bold as a church people. We have to be bold that the enemy is going to use every tactic he can. But we have got to stand toe-to-toe -to, -toe to him and say, you are not stopping the church. The gate of hell cannot prevail against the church. And guess what, devil? I'm a part of the church, so you can't stop me. Even though you're trying to get me scared, even though you're trying to get me freaked out, even though you're trying to get me worried about everything else out there, I'm not listening to that garbage. I'm looking you in the face and saying, I'm not afraid of what a man can do. I'm more worried about what the one that can judge my soul can do. And he told me to preach the gospel unashamedly. So I'm going to do that. And I'm going to go in. And I'm going to kick your tail out. And I'm going to try to reach as many people for Jesus as I can. That's being bold for him. It's unorthodox. Because it's coming to a place where we're going to do things in such a way where people look and go, that is different. That's not normal. That is what made the early church stand out so much was their boldness. We're getting into it right now in our study on Wednesday nights. There was boldness upon them. There was great boldness that came upon the early church. They knew they were not wrestling against flesh and blood. That's why we had that prayer a couple weeks ago when we did the uh, those things about prayer. One of them was not the rear of man. <laughs> Some of those is all paper, you understand? But the fear of man. We prayed against the fear of man and we called down the fear of God. 
Because people need a fear of God, not a fear of man. A proper respect for God. An understanding that his, He can judge your soul. Yes, this person can throw you in jail. Yes, this person could kill you. But God is the one that can judge your soul after your death. Once the enemy was exposed for who he is and what he wants to do, and that is to destroy anything he sees that God loves and loves God, then our roadmap to seeing the lost come to Jesus is much more clear. Instead of us always so worried about one struggle that Christians have, apostolics, and really any Christian, is, is this fear, because we, we have a fear of God, so that fear of God, sometimes we have an unhealthy of it. Where we get fearful that, for example, like I said, by me shutting that off, does that mean I'm afraid and I'm not, I don't want to preach the gospel and I'm being ashamed of the gospel because I said shut that video off so we can preach it? There, there's a temptation towards that. But if your thought process is not about how when we make decisions that aren't sinful, but they're more practical in the aspect of how can I reach my world? How can I reach my society? How can I reach more souls effectively? When our mindset is towards that, those things won't bother us because my the thought process is the enemy. I don't want to give him a foothold. I don't want to give him more than he needs. That is the key in negotiation. You don't give somebody more, that, more information than they need. You're not holding back information. You're just not giving them what they need. You're just giving just enough to process through. So you're giving the enemy just enough that yeah, he might be able to come against, but you're, it's almost like a negotiation, but you're not negotiating your soul. You're saying, you know what, I'm going to shut that off. I'm going to do it a different way. I'm going to find another avenue. I'm going to find a different way. Maybe I can text people. Maybe I can still get them somehow, but somehow get them connected to me in a different way. So we have to be mindful of this. We've got to think about different ways and mindful that it's not about so much, well, I'm, I'm, I'm showing that I'm unashamed because I didn't just tell that person that they're going to hell because of their situation. That, that is a common temptation of, of Christians. Well, if I don't tell them they're in sin, then the God, I think that means I'm afraid. If that's what's guiding you, that's the wrong fear that should guide you. It should be, did God present a situation for me to try to somehow guide this person to realize they need Jesus in their life? It's not just because I didn't say something. It's, it's that I want to help them see that your condition is what's leading your path the wrong way. It is your sin. And I want to tell you there's a God, there's a Savior that wants to help you through your situation. The enemy knows one of the ways to get the church is to make them afraid. It's fear. It's constant fear. But what does what is, what is, what is Paul tell Timothy? God did not give us what? Spirit of fear. But of what? Power. Love and sound mind. That's what God gave. Power. Boldness. No, devil, I'm not scared of you. You're not my problem. I heard Billy Cole one time say that he said he was sitting in a, in a church one time. He's going to preach. He sent up the pastor. Somebody was acting out, and, and, and the pastor said that I think that person's got a you know a devil or something like that. And he says, "Well, I hope that's all it is." 
That's easy. What he was saying, he later even said, is that it's the human spirit. Right. You can't change that. Right. The human spirit has its own choice. Right. You kick out all the devils that, that, that's in that person. But that human spirit is still there. That human spirit still needs to be addressed. That human spirit still needs to make the choice to choose God. And so what we've got to realize is the devil is not even half our battle. Ourselves is most of that. Yep. And our fear of people. Which he does play that part. He puts that fear of man inside of us versus the fear of God. Because listen, the fear of God is this. When you look at that drug addict, when you look at that person that doesn't have Jesus, tears should be going down your face. Something in your heart should be twisting and saying, that person I know of God is going to judge them. And they're going to burn and they're going to cry. And they're going to hell and they're going to suffer for eternity. And I don't want them to have that. I don't care if they hate me. I just want to help them see Jesus. Right. So they can get to heaven. So they can go there and they don't have to suffer for eternity. Right. That's what should be moving us. Yes. That's what should be drawing us. Is the fact of the fear of God and us knowing what's going to happen to that soul if they don't get saved. Yes. Amen. Not what God thinks if I don't say this or what that person's going to do if I say this. The mindset that the early church always had. Jesus and people. Jesus and people. That's all they cared about. They loved Jesus and they loved people. And they were constantly pushing towards that. That's why Paul, he had such a love for his brethren. He had such a love for his fellow Jews that he literally in Romans as we're going through right now. He even prayed that prayer that basically God take my life. And if they all go to heaven, and then me being sent to hell will replace and get them to go to heaven, then I'll take it. Yeah. Because his love for the people was so much. I'd rather have uh, a thousand people go to heaven and not to suffer the judgment of God if I'm the only one that suffers that judgment. That was just his mindset. It wasn't that he didn't want to be with Jesus. It's just his mindset. And he's so in love with Jesus, it caused such a love for people. Yeah. And the reality of judgment, it's not... Me trying to prove myself right or wrong. It's trying to help someone get to heaven. It's boldness. We must fight the spiritual things and pull the strongholds down so that we can then make room for God to move on hearts that are no longer tormented by the devil. That's where spiritual warfare comes into play, church. That's why we're on a journey of spiritual warfare. That's why I'm trying to encourage it more and more and more. That's why four times in a year we're going to go through a weekly fast. That's why I'm encouraging it goes beyond just that week though. We've got to constantly still pray those prayers. We've got to constantly still bring those things down. Because listen, the more we push the enemy back, the better opportunities for that person to come to God. It's not guaranteed. Just because we pulled back the scales, just because we pulled back the strongholds, it doesn't mean that person's coming on that to Jesus. Right. It's just their chances are much better. Right. Amen. That's the difference. Yep. And that's why we pull. That's why you can't just pray and expect everything else to work out. You gotta pray. You gotta pray things down and then go out. And then when we go out into the streets, when we go out into the public, when we go to our neighbor's house, my wife said, we've been talking about trying to be. I, I've been actually saying we have great ideas about what to do with our neighbors and stuff. Like, oh, bring them this, bring them that. And I got to a place that said, listen, we just need to do it automatically on the spot. And stop thinking about doing it and just do it. Yeah. 
And we've been talking about when our neighbor, they're, they're not the type of people to, to really plan things with because they're, they're just busy themselves, but they'll just all of a sudden have bonfires next door or just be out by the fire. And they always, we're always welcome to them. It was the other night we were busy and, and it was like 8 o'clock and we were talking about it. And I said, well, we just, we just need to just do it, even if it's 30 minutes. Just go over there. And I said, yeah, they drink their beers. Yes, they're there drinking and all this stuff. We're there trying to minister. Just give God an opportunity. When that door someday might open. It might happen. I don't know. It might never happen. But that's not my call, my judgment. My place is just to be out there with them. To be out there connecting to them. And let God open the door of opportunity when that opportunity opens up to minister to them. But we've got to be out there. We've got to be present so that when God removes scales, it's people of truth. That they meet That's right. Right. and leads them. God will always honor faith. That's why you'll see people go to other places and don't preach the full truth. Because there's enough, there's just partial enough that it draws people there. And, and so those people are available. I've said it before. Listen, the Mormons have no problem knocking doors. Joe Winners don't want to knock the door and tell you you're going to hell. They don't care. Go ahead and have that next Jesus on the cross. You're in the wrong place. We need to get to our great building. Okay, now we did find one that's not correct. Most of them are great. I don't even notice that. Most Jewish or Jehovah Witness places are great. Right. But, but here's one thing I'll take with them. Dude, they go, they're, they're aggressive. They believe in what they're doing. Right. I'll give them that much. Their heart truly believes what they're doing. And they're willing to be so radical to get out there and go in people's face about it. Right. The church has to be that way. Because there's people that all of a sudden that might have got the... I, I, I've seen this. I don't know how many times I've witnessed to people and I've noticed that when we've come to their life, all of a sudden bombard of other places of other people try to come and minister to them too. It's insane. I've seen it. We had the neighbor I told us that walked into our room and or loves coming to, love coming to our apartment because she felt the peace of God. Jehovah's Witnesses were aggressively down there. Constantly. Although she knew everything I'm hearing is so good here. Everything I'm feeling is so right. When she got baptized, she felt good. She felt everything fall off. She got the Holy Ghost. Everything was going great. But the devil was still there. Her human spirit still, not the devil, but through Jehovah's Witness talking to her, she eventually gave back in with her human spirit. She could not just get into this. I think it was a guy she ended up meeting or something like that. That's what tied her into it. We've seen it time and time again. I, I remember... A lady that used to be, she was a bisexual. She was half, she was lesbian, and she was both ways. And, but she was, she was so messed up. And I remember, I have no idea about her background, but we had invited her to church. It was that apartment complex we were ministering to. Listen, I'm trying to talk about boldness. And we were being bold, just being available out there, just ministering to everyone we could and doing all the things that we could. And I remember we got her to come to church one time, and she came to church on Sunday night, and I was preaching. And I remember as I was preaching, I was just preaching something passionate about evangelism, about, about putting ourselves in people's shoes. And I said, you have no idea there, there are going to be someone that you, when you're at your community connection, you can be talking to somebody that just got done last night watching their child beat by their husband or their spouse or whoever they are and watch them get beat. And this girl started bawling. She started crying and started weeping. Oh, behold, I never knew that's exactly what just took place. She had literally watched her child get abused. She just came out of an abusive relationship. She had been beating herself and her kids beat. And I'm telling you, if we're not out there and available and being bold, say, I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm going to reach souls. You have no idea who you're going to reach. And 
God the Holy Ghost got baptized in Jesus' name. But while we were ministering to her, there was other denominations trying to get to her. At the exact same time. If we don't get out there, someone else is going to get there. That's why we've got, it's the same so slow we say about our kids. If you don't start teaching them and start telling them what's right or wrong, someone else is going to tell them. Right. Do not let that system try to tell you, oh, that's just so mean you make them go to church. Yeah, you're making them believe the garbage you have. Amen. You just don't say it just like that. You just bully them and pressure them into it. Yes, amen. That's what we face. Everyone is trying to get somebody to believe something. Everyone is trying to push them in a certain direction. The church has to be bold enough in this unorthodox revival to get out there into the highways and byways and minister to every single person. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they smell like. I don't care the color of their skin. They need to be in the house of God. They need salvation. They need Jesus in their life. I don't care about their sexual identity. They need God to help them sort that out for themselves. To understand what he made them to be. And what he formed them to be. And the likeness that he gave to them. They are beautiful in his image. And he's trying to help them see that. But the world tries to trick and deceive and decide. But we've got to understand that we've got to be bold to face the enemy. I said it. I like to repeat things. But sometimes repeating things seems to work. just kind of sinks in more. But I've heard, this is why you don't commonly see people that have it all together just come looking for church. Fixed people don't come to church. Broken people come. It's just the truth, folks. It's the truth. I've thought about it. Everywhere we've lived, it seemed like the, the nicer the area, the, the less effective we were in reaching people. When me and my wife lived in more of a lower, broken area, the more people we ministered to, the more people we were able to connect with, the more people came to church. Because broken people are looking to be fixed. Fixed people aren't looking to be fixed. <laughs> They're fixed. But there's some point at some time, that imperfect person who thinks they're perfect or good or fine, something comes in their life. And if we're there, then God can use it as an opportunity. It's almost like that, that, that makes more sense to me than anything else when Jesus said it's impossible as a, as, a, as a camel going into the eye of the needle for a rich person to be saved. More or less what it's saying is that, but it says all things are possible with God. What it's saying is that God can produce a situation that causes that person to seek for something more in their life. But if we're not available, we're not present in their life. The more my wife and I, we ministered to multiple people in our life when we were down the cities. And even up here. And we've seen that the more people you minister, the more people you make yourself available to, as time goes on, doors will open. You can't expect them. I've seen people, Christians, get frustrated within like two weeks of trying to reach somebody. They're still not coming. They're still denying it. They're still rejecting it. They still don't have any. It might take you five years to break them. You have no idea. Well, I must be doing something wrong. Why, are you, why do you think you're doing something wrong? Because they're not coming. I, you, you can, last time I checked, you, you can't make somebody grow. So you can't make a tree grow. You can yell at it all day long. But it ain't going to grow any faster. That's, right. That's the same thing with people. 
we have to realize that people are people no matter who they are. I know that is super deep. But I, I quote that in Pastor Richard Fleming's terminology. People are people no matter who they are. Because that is just a devil that's so true. They're, they're going to be people. Well, they're not coming. They're a person, that's why. Because they have this thing called a will. And they're so, I don't want to listen to what you have to say. Moving on. Okay, sounds good. I'll wait till the next door opens up. But I'll still try to be present. I'll try to reach for those that hurt. But we've got to be bold enough to get out there, folks. This is why, that's why overseas, missionaries have said that there's most of the countries, the, the devils in the overseas countries are just, they're stupid, dumb devils. They really are. They say here in America, North America, Canada, here, they're, and even like Europe, they're just like sophisticated. <laughs> but it's because they've taken something that has enough truth to it. Yeah. Denominations, quote unquote Christianity, and they've taken enough of that. Enough of that. To get people to think they're okay. And they have literally, this materialistic spirit that's in our world, that's in our country, is literally coming down. And people are going to realize, and that's why, I don't know, we'll see what happens in the next few years. But to get to people's hearts, we must be bold to do some things that are unorthodox. Like when... When me and the Stevens walked around downtown and prayed. Like when we as a church totally went against all social distancing and jumped in a van. Shoulder to shoulder. Not even six inches. Not even six centimeters. (laughs) No masks. And I'm not saying that's right. I'm just pointing out. (laughs) We drove around the city and we prayed. And we felt things. And we prayed against things. It It takes walking outside. It takes driving around. It takes that drive that you just made to the grocery store and remind yourself, on the way, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray down things while I'm driving. I'm going to pray down things while I'm going to this place. On the way to work, I'm going to pray things down. It's understanding. It's sometimes, hey, we might get bold enough, church. We might start walking around like 11 o'clock. Maybe Maybe we might on a Friday night get seriously bold and go downtown at 11 o'clock and just go worship downtown in front of bars. That's unorthodox. But that's what God's going to use to reach people. We've got to be bold enough to say, Devil, you've got people trapped in there in addiction. We're going to stand out here and we're going to praise a God because what are we trying to give them? A sound of what? A sound of freedom. If you don't remember what I preached last week. Come on. A sound of freedom. When we get out there and we're worshiping God, we are sounding a sound of freedom and we're coming against the sound of bondage. That's, that's taking people's lives. That's what we're doing. But we've got to be bold enough to do that. We've got to be bold enough to step out in places that we never imagined that we would go. The enemy is all about planting things of deception into the harvest God has for us. Listen, Matthew 13, 39. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. Catch this. In this particular part of the sower... This wasn't the one about um, the, the seeds on the ground. This was about the, the enemy came in and messed with somebody's farm. Messed with their crop. Planted some tares in there to mess everything up. That's what the enemy's going to do. When you are trying to reach people, be ready for your harvest to get all messed up. Oh, Pastor, everything was going just fine. 
Life was just fine when I wasn't doing this. Yeah, that's what happens. You want to see the harvest God has for you in financial? Give like you've never given before. The more you give to God, I guarantee the enemy's going to come along and try to sow some tears into that harvest. But for you to get the harvest that you want, you're going to have to just push on and be bold enough. If we want to see the harvest that I know God has for Bemidji in this area and these three reservations, is that we have got to be bold enough to face Him on and know that He's going to be out there in the harvest field with us while we're trying to reach souls. He's going to be messing with us while we're out there doing it. There's going to be people you never thought that come against you, they come against you. There's going to be people you never thought that be for you, and they're for you. There's people you never thought either way, and they are. Yeah. You never know. But we've got to be bold, church. It's an unorthodox revival. And i got to finish this up here. Faith. Faith is the final attribute that I want to discuss. It is the one that truly releases the power of God. And within that, within that, faith is the supernatural. Such as speaking in tongues. Tongues is a supernatural thing. What better way to fight the devil in the spiritual world than praying in tongues? As we lift up our faith and let God take over, we begin to speak powerful things in the spiritual world that we don't even have insight into unless we release ourselves into the Spirit. Romans 8 26, Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There are times when I pray in tongues that I can sense a spiritual boldness rising up against me. Rising up in me. I've done it. Where I just started praying. And all of a sudden I started praying in tongues. And I felt an aggression come on me. And all of a sudden I started passionately praying in tongues. I mean just. If you were anywhere around. You would have got a shower. Yeah. Just spit. You know. Yeah. Hey. There's some languages out there that require spit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. Some that require flame. <laughs> I'm not doing it. And I'm telling you, there's times I've spoken in tongues and it's aggressive. And I'm just praying and I am sensing the boldness rising more and more and more. But if I never went into that realm of tongues, I never would have went into the realm of the Spirit. Where God was praying things that I had no idea he'd be praying. I've heard Mark Morgan, great man of God. He's actually, apparently, I think of that right now, there's a chance he'll be at next year's family camp. But Mark Morgan's a great, great man of God. He's planted churches. Spiritual warfare. And he's even said, listen, I don't go into the whole deepness of spiritual warfare stuff. Like, if you, you know, call this down, you pray that down. And all this. He says, listen, I just talk to tongues. And I pray against the enemy. I do spiritual warfare in tongues. That's what I do. What he was saying is, I am, I'm, I'm taking myself to a different spiritual realm when I pray in tongues. That's, it's not, yes, it does help us take hold of our salvation when we let tongues come out as often as we can. Reminds us of our salvation. You know, we see, tongues doesn't save us. It's a reminder of what, what tongues gives us the evidence of that I got the Holy Spirit in my heart. Right? There's other things in the Bible that tells us if we do this, it does acknowledge the fruit of the Spirit. That's an acknowledgement of knowing that the Holy Spirit's in your heart, not just tongues. There's people that talk like crazy in tongues in their hearts so far. Yeah. But you're faithful. You're fake tongues. That's right. I don't I'm not mocking anything. I'm, just, I'm facing the truth. The enemy, he will take something like that. But anyways, my point is, is that when I pray in those things, 
when we pray in that spiritual realm. That's what's so important about praying as often as you can in tongues. If you haven't done it in a while, you need to do it again. And you need to do it again. It's not because it's going to save you. It's because it's going to, first of all, remind yourself of your salvation. And second of all, it's going to pray prayers in your life that you don't even know you need. Exactly. It's going beyond that realm. It's going beyond that veil. It's going to that place. That's what's so important about having the Holy Ghost. That's the benefit of having the Spirit of God. That's the, the benefit is being able to speak in tongues. There are times I'm praying English and I sense a spiritual attack and I sense the boldness of praying tongues. That is what's so awesome about the salvation plan that God gives to us. When we repent, we kill off the old man. Then we are buried in Christ. By going into the waters of baptism in the only saving name of Jesus. Then we are buried. Then we bury that old man. And then finally, that wonderful resurrection power of being filled with His Spirit. And that sound that comes from heaven as the evidence of what we've received. And that is speaking a language you and I both don't know. We don't copy it. We don't mimic it. We don't try to do no. We just allow God to speak into our lives. Speak into our hearts. Amen? Romans 16, because of this, listen, and because of this power, this faith, because of this, God gives us dominion over the devil when we have the Holy Ghost. Romans 16, 20, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Man, I think I've got to read that scripture again. There's some people like, oh, that sounds cute, Pastor. <clears throat> Did you hear what I just said? And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under whose feet? Our, our feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It's by the grace of God that you and I get the power to trample on serpents. Not take up serpents. Trample on serpents. To trample on the devil. To trample on the enemy. He has put him under our feet. That's why you can stand boldly before Him even in a position that you made a mistake. Say, yes, I feel horrible and I feel terrible, but I'm turning a godly sorrow is working repentance in my life. And even in my sinful situation, God has still given me power to come over against you. And I'm giving myself to Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Thank God. Let's stand. I try to bring this in for a landing here. Listen, God wants to do something in this church, in this city. And one of the dynamics He's going to do, and I believe us as a church, we are taking. We are taking not a new direction. We are just going into a higher level this year than we've ever been before. It's a level of spiritual warfare we've never, ever even ventured into. Some of you are doing things that you never thought you'd do. Some of you are praying things you never thought you'd pray. Some of you are getting bolder and doing more things and more things and more things that you never imagined. And that's because God has taken us to another level. He's taken us to another dimension. And I'm curious. I, I really am curious. I still, sometimes when we have an evangelist coming, when we have a revival coming up, Usually within that year, within a few months, I can kind of sense what's probably coming and what that man of God is probably going to bring. I'm still not sure what we're going to see when Brother Cheryl gets here. 
Maybe it's because it's, you know, when we have Brother Near a couple years in a row, like we are used to, oh, it's Brother Near. We know Brother Near. So maybe it's something like, oh, I've never met the man. Some of you have never even heard of him. But Sam Sherrill is an anointed man of God. And I'm, I'm excited to see what he brings. But before we get there, I wonder if the reason why I'm not sensing it is because we're still weaving through some things. And depending on where we land is what's going to trigger the next thing. How amazing it would be if more of a acknowledgement that we're doing what's right and then some additional tools to go to that next level. Versus a sermon where we need to hear preaching after preaching that the church needs to do this better and that better. And instead it's, you know, you got this part. You got this. This is now where God wants to take you to that next level. He wants you to take you to the next level of momentum. I believe there is a momentum, a momentum wave in this area that's coming up. I don't know when. I don't know if it's the next year or two. We were on it about a year ago or so. We've kind of gone down on momentum-wise. There's this wave that God has taken. It's waves that God creates, folks. Listen, the natural realm is a real realm. There is seasons. Churches go through seasons. Where it seems like you don't even have to do outreach and people show up to your church. Listen, I did this. I went, during this whole COVID thing, or at the end of this, I reached out to about four or five pastors. And, and, and not all over the country. Just, just here in Minnesota. Northern and Southern. Not even the cities, okay? These people can relate to us in And I asked. I asked churches that I know the pastor, the Bible pastor. I asked churches that I know that, I don't know. And I asked them, what has been the people, the people you've seen come to your church? One church told me they had seen nine first-time guests in the last few weeks. And I said, what are you doing? Nothing. Word of mouth. We're coming to people in church talk. Another church, all I can say is close to greater. He had just gotten done baptizing. Three or four people got the Holy Ghost. I said, what are you doing? He said, nothing. No outreach. Nothing. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're sitting by. Not, what I'm saying is they're not doing something like, whoa, they're doing some different thing. They're doing some online ministry or they're doing some like 10-day prayer fast. No. Just, just that church. And then I reached some other ones. Ones that are Again, revival is pastors. Hadn't seen a single person. Actually, attendance has completely dropped even farther than they expected. A couple other churches, same deal. Actually, one of my friends, literally, he got a phone call from a guy saying, you guys do midweek. He says, yes, yeah, our house right now. He's like, all right, I'll be there. He just got done baptizing two weeks ago. But we're doing outreach. And our church isn't filled up. Oh, we're doing wrong. Pastor's not about outreach. No, no, that's not what it is. It's a season. And sometimes, in certain seasons, Brother Troy knows, certain times when you're trying to plant, the fruit, the vegetables grows a little bit different. Than you. It's a little bit harder to get what you want. But some years, it's just, oh, yeah. man, it's been awesome. It's just popping up. I'm growing some wheatgrass in our house, and yesterday my wife said she didn't see anything. Just came out this morning and popped What do you got to do? You got to keep watering. Yep. You got to keep tending. We got to keep doing the right things. Oh, I feel something right here. 
I believe what God's trying to tell this church right now is if we keep doing the right things, we're going to see the right results. If yes. we keep doing prayer and fasting and going out there and praying on the streets, we're going to eventually see people come in. If we keep doing outreach almost every Saturday that we can, then we're going to start eventually seeing people come. Eventually, we'll just see the place just fill up like no other's no one can imagine. And listen, I've heard this before, and I totally disagree with it. I've even talked to a couple of friends, pastor friends of mine, they totally agree with me. I don't agree that there's a church that you have to get to a certain place to have a certain revival. That's not in the Bible. Oh, God's not going to send the hundred soul revival because we're not ready for it. You're telling me God's holding back the hundred souls from being saved? Are you kidding me? No, if you're not doing the work, then you're going to see less. And then when his momentum wave kicks in, you'll see some people coming in by them not doing anything. And people say, oh, it's because we pray. No, it's because God's momentum is there. The spiritual atmosphere was just right for some people to start coming to church. And so just imagine, church, when we're doing the right things, when we meet that wave at the peak, noted and seen in scripture that the spiritual mirrors many things from the natural therefore as we all have seen in the natural world changes and evolves not in the aspect of evolution but in the advancing to bigger and better things so with that said what worked for someone regarding flying planes 50 years ago is not the same techniques they use today it's not even the same aerodynamics that they use there was a time that you sent somebody up into space and it was almost like they were guaranteed to blow up. Now it's, the chances are much less. It could happen, but they're just less likely. Because as the spiritual environment changes, church, things that worked 10 years ago, 5 days ago, might not work the same way. And we've got to be able to evolve spiritually, not without rejecting the message, but evolve in such a way. What one person did to remove a spiritual stronghold will not be the same for another person. There are principles that are consistent. Jesus' name, rebuking, binding, casting out, using the word to speak to. But others use their feet to do prayer walks. But who says you can't drive in cars? Others were seen when they prayed to get the Holy Ghost. And there's others that stood. My point is this, a lot of spiritual things, especially spiritual warfare, are understood and developed through experience and principles of Scripture. The more you do these things, the more you step out in boldness, the more you try the spirits, then the more you learn. Yes. The, more, the more we get out there. Some of you guys are looking at me. I know I'm the pastor. I get it. I get it. 
But folks, we're going to start going to places I've never been. You're going to look at me and say, Pastor, what do we do? He knows. He knows what steps next. He knows where we're going to go. But we just got to keep trusting Him and keep knowing this is a different area. This is a different territory. This is a different place I've never been to. I don't even know someone that's been here. I don't know a pastor that has been through a pandemic and a country that's thriving all at the same time. I just know nobody for me to reach you. How'd you do it 50 years ago? I don't know. I don't know anybody that did. We're going to venture into things, people, but the only way is if we get out there. If we get out there and reach. Listen, I know this is a lot. It's very teachy and meaty for some, but here's some preaching. I'm going to finish up with this. Verse 19 in Isaiah 42 that we've read. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. And shall you know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What are you saying, God? I'm saying there's going to be things that you thought were never possible. Places you never thought a river of revival can ever come into. Places that you never thought that, that things could spring forth in proper growth. Oh, I never imagined that drug addict could be a preacher someday. That's because you were looking on the outside. But God saw something on the inside. Oh, I never saw that single mom being able to handle it all and do all this. They're like, they had like five different men. That's their desire in the Lord. And all of a sudden you see them take care of our Sunday school ministry. You see them out there doing what people call sidewalks. Or whatever they make up, they might come up with their own idea. Amen. I don't know. But all I know is this. Is that these things are going to happen and we're going to be blown away. The beasts of the field shall honor me. The dragons and the owls. Because I give waters in the wilderness. Yes. And rivers in the desert. To give drink to my people. My chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my Praise. How are we going to know that we are people of God? It's by our praise to our Savior. Our praise to our God. John 14, 12 through 14. Verily, verily, I say unto you, this is Jesus talking, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. But he doesn't stop. Jesus, the Son of Man, Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Anointed One. Jesus, the High Priest. Jesus, the Miracle Worker. Jesus, the Great Physician. Jesus, that did all these things, that walked on water, that raised the dead, that removed devils out of people, that healed a woman's issue, that was an issue with blood, that delivered souls. This Jesus says this, you shall do those things. Greater. Everybody say greater. greater. Come on, say it with faith. Greater. And greater, greater. Greater works than these shall he do. Who? Those that believe on him. Those that believe on Jesus. I'm talking to a church that believes in Jesus. Amen. So I'm talking to a church that's not going to just do the things that Jesus did, but are going to do greater things than He did. Because I go into my Father, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Listen, God doesn't do miracles to exploit us. Oh, look at that church. They do a whole bunch of miracles. No, sir. 
He doesn't do he doesn't do miracles to attract a crowd or just for the crowd's sake. He does miracles to glorify his name. And because we're glorifying His name, and the miracles will attract the crowd. It doesn't draw, it doesn't push the crowd, it doesn't, it doesn't do it in front of the crowd necessarily. It draws them in. And then the purpose of the crowd is not to keep seeing miracles. The purpose of the crowd is to proclaim the gospel. Amen. Proclaim the message. So that's why, church, when we go out to the highways and byways, when we go to apartment complex, you need to start praying about it right now. So I'm reaching out to some. My goal is right now in the month of August, we don't have Wednesday nights. We go back to community connection. Right. Just for the entire month of Wednesday nights. Just for people. Such a desire to do something more than in these buildings. And these poor walls of sickness. I want to get out there with sinners. I want to brush shoulders with people. I want to reach souls. I want to help people that are, that are struggling in their life to know there's a God that wants to help them. But we've got to be bold enough to get out there. We've got to get out there. And then when God calls you to pray for somebody, you pray. And then when the crowd comes because of what took place, all that crowd might be four people show up in your house. I don't know how many times I've gone to do a Bible study and all of a sudden there's three or four other people in the Bible study. I don't even know. How'd they show up here? Because of what God's been doing miraculously in this person's life is drawing the crowd. And the purpose of the crowd is to not share them. The purpose of the crowd is to help them know there's some people out there. There's some Paul's. There's some pause. If we're not careful, we'll miss it. Because we're so focused on the results. Speaking of someone's heart. We can get so focused on what I'm asking everybody here every seat. I'm going to allow you to make that cue in a second here, your altar, and just pray. I'm sorry, we just stay a little bit. Because God is doing something right here. He's starting to move right here. But he wants somebody in here to understand. We get so focused on results. Oh, I did this, and I did that, and I talked to this person, I talked to that person, and I'm not seeing this. Did God guarantee you're going to see that? No. Like He wasn't guaranteed the 5,000 to show up on the day of Pentecost. He wasn't guaranteed the people He fed bread were going to show up to hear Him when He was resurrecting. Instead of the 500 showed up for that. Because here's the truth, folks. It might take you talking to 50 people and ministering to 50 different people before one person comes. It might mean you ministering to five different people before one person comes. I don't know what God does. And we've got to be mindful as a church and be open and bold and keep doing the right things. And soon we'll see the right results. Because listen, there's Matthews out there. There's Marks. There's Luke's. There's Timothy's. There's Titus. There's Paul's. There's Peter's. There's John's. There's Andrew's. There's Bartholomew's. There's Simon's. There's Judas. Not the scared. That's it. That's the scary. That's how the, the apostles would say. There's more. There's people out there. There's David's. There's King David's. There's worshipers out there that if we would reach them for God, they would set this church on fire and worship. You couldn't contain them. You couldn't stop them. And guess what? As a pastor, I'm not. Maybe you can sing and noise it. I'm not. If they want to sit in that corner and worship and jump and shout and be excited about God, I'm going to let them do it. 
Our church is so small combined with the building aspect that there's some people we've talked about camp meeting. If they're in here constantly eating like they do a camp, people will be like, oh my goodness, they're too loud. No, let it be. Because that's how we're going to reach this world. They need to see something that's unorthodox. So right now, I just ask everyone in this place, right now, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to be honest with yourself and honest with God. I was tempted to ask you to raise your hand when I ask this question, but I'm not going to. I want you to be honest with yourself. When I was speaking and when I was preaching, if results was something you struggled with, because you're always looking for the result to confirm your actions. And that's a disclaimer, so because you, everybody here knows there's different... I don't talk about when you're just doing the right things, prayer, fasting, reaching, talking to people, being attentive to things, just doing the right things, that you are frustrated with the results in your life. You are frustrated with not seeing the things you want to see. I want you to be honest with yourself. And I want you to talk to Jesus about this in a second. I want you to bring this to Him. And I want you to even bring your frustration. I want you to even tell Him that you're frustrated. But at the same time, be repentant and humble. To say, God, but I trust in You. If what pastor is preaching right now... If this is what I feel in my heart, then I'm going to just keep doing the right things and I'm going to keep trusting in you and eventually I'll see the results that I want to see. Some of you, you have looked at people in society. You've looked at old friends and old family members and old this and old that and others and you have judged and thought there's no way God can do something here. There's no way this person's going to come. Oh, there's no way. If that is you, I want you to be honest with your own heart and self. And I'm asking you to confess that to God. Confess that to God. Say, God, I'm sorry. Though. And finally, if, if, if at some point in your life if there's times where you have been so scared and fearful to step out and pray loud or lift your hands up, maybe jump and shout and maybe do a little dance. If you've been so scared to just reach out a little bit more to somebody, to sell some of the gospel truth, whatever it is in your life that you have been scared to do that you know is the right thing, and you're just more afraid of how people will think, I'm asking you to be honest with yourself this morning. Honest with yourself about where your prayer life is. Honest with yourself about where your Bible reading life is. If you're choosing more often than not to look at Facebook and look at other things on your phone, more often than look at that Bible. Be honest with God right now. I'm giving this opportunity. God is ministering. For us to have an unorthodox revival, our windows of opportunity are open, but they're going to close. Time to get our life in order, our home in order. It's time to be bold enough to stand out of spiritual things like never before. So right now, I'm going to call on all of us right now to make that place you're at right now in altar. Don't worry about the sound. Don't worry about the computer or anything back there. I want all of us in this church. I want us to make wherever we're at, wherever we're at, just to make it an altar. To put everything aside and put all distractions aside. And just make everything an altar right now. And talk to God right now. So whatever those things were, and maybe all three of those things I just mentioned were you. I want you right now to talk to God like I asked you to start doing. Jesus, 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 come on. Make this place an altar, church. Come on, make that place you're at right now an altar. Come on, talk to God right now. Talk to God right now in Jesus' name. 
Come on, He wants to talk to you. He wants to minister to you. Jesus, Jesus, I give it to you, God. I give it to you, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. I've been frustrated. I've been frustrated with the results. People have not filled up this church like we want to see. God, I haven't seen the things in my life like I want to see. God, forgive me. But God, I just want to be real with you. I am frustrated with it. I am frustrated. I'm even a little bit jealous because I've seen other people get it. I've seen other people have better results. I've seen other pastors have better results. And God, I'm asking right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, right now.